you have your Bibles, uh, open up to Hebrews chapter 11. <clears throat> we are we're almost done with the book of Hebrews, and I know we started it last week, uh, or last week, the whole chapter 11 last week. <laughs> Not the entire book. <laughs> it's taken us a long time. We A little intermission. We had a little intermission after the first of the year with uh, looking at principles of ministry, and uh, that was a lot of fun. And... Uh, Hebrews 11, if you remember, Hebrews is, is actually a letter written, it's a sermon, really. It's a letter, a sermon, encouragement, exhortation, written to a house church. A church that had been uh, small and had been struggling. Um, they had gone through a lot with the Lord. Um, I pointed out in chapter 10, if you look at chapter 10, um, look at verse 32. And if you don't have Bibles, we have Bibles in the back too. Daniel, if you want to help people out with any Bible, everyone has a Bible. Or if you have a cell phone, Bible apps are free, right? But like in chapter 10, chapter 10, uh, verse 32, he says, he's encouraging him. He says, remember the former days when after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of sufferings. He goes, remember. See, what's happening is this body of believers is thinking about turning away from Christ. They're thinking of just giving up on Jesus. In the entire letter, he's been arguing uh, why that's not a good idea. Christ is your best option in every capacity. Now he's talking to the, the audience were former Jews, so he's appealing to their understanding of the Old Testament. 70% of Hebrews is Old Testament. And he's like, listen, remember, you used to have Moses, now you have Jesus. You used to have Aaron in the priesthood, but now you have Jesus as the great high priest. You used to have constant sacrifices, now you have one sacrifice. You used to have Joshua brought you to the land of Canaan physically, but you really didn't get rest. But now in Christ, you actually get true spiritual rest. And he gives them indications along the way of warnings, but then he's, he's bringing up to this, this whole point of saying, don't give up. And he's reminding them of, of in, here in chapter 10, verse 32, remember in the former days when you, after being enlightened, after you became a Christian, you endured a great conflict of sufferings partly by being made a public, public spectacle through reproaches and afflictions, partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. You, you were mistreated, or you stood with those who were mistreated. For, verse 34, you also showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted with joy the seizure of your possessions. It was nothing for you to give up your possessions. You gladly did that, knowing that you have for yourselves a better and lasting possession. Therefore, he says, don't throw away that confidence, that boldness of yours. And what he's doing here is, he's gonna, chapter 11 is going to talk about that boldness, what that looks like. And the beginning of chapter 12 uh, is the next verse. Okay. Don't throw away that confidence or that boldness of yours, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance. Chapter 12, we'll start with, let's press on, let's run the race with the endurance, right? So he's talking about these two themes, then he says, verse 37, For yet in a little while he who is coming will come and not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith, or faithfulness. He's quoting from Habakkuk. And of course, the Apostle Paul quotes from this, the just shall live by faith. That started the whole Protestant Reformation. Then he says, If he shrinks back, if that righteous one shrinks back, my soul, have no, soul will have no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back. That's not us, he's saying. Now, sometimes in the Christian life, we want to quit, right? I mean, life is hard, isn't it? That's okay. Yeah, let's, let's be honest. Because here's the thing. 
Here's what a false gospel says. You, you believe in Jesus and all your troubles go away. The reality is, if you believe in Jesus, the world hates you. The world absolutely hates you. The devil hates you. You're a target. And life, for some of us, can be really hard. And different, you know, We have trials and seasons like that. But that's part of it, right? So now he's saying, don't shrink back to destruction, verse 39. But we are of those who have faith that preserves the soul. Now he's going to launch into this, what this looks like. And in chapter 11, it's all of, hey, let me just show you. Old Testament, Genesis, <laughs> the whole Old Testament, even to the New Testament, examples of faith. And what he's trying to do is saying, guys, let's, let's be encouraged by what we see here, okay? By way of remembering. Because sometimes you know how it is when you go through trial. How many of you guys know when you go through trial, you feel like you're, go- you're the only one going through it, right? You feel like you are isolated. No one else, everyone's life is perfect but yours, right? You feel like that. It's a lie. It's a complete lie. Half of us, when we come to church, you say, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Inside, you're like, I'm not doing great, but I'm too embarrassed because I'm supposed to look Christian. Reality is, we all need prayer, don't we? We all need encouragement. That's why he even says uh, in, the, in the next chapter, hey, don't neglect meeting together because you need the encouragement one another because we're all going through it. So now he does, he goes, he's talking about the faith now in chapter 11. And we sort of started this last week, and I'm not going to do super, super deep dives. You know me, I, I love to do deep dives and, you know, one verse at a time, but I'm not going to, I'm going to read, I want to read the chapter in its entirety just to get the flow, because that's what we want to do. That's what he, he's trying to do. Now, faith is the assurance of things so far. It's that bold confidence he just talked about. And we'll talk about what that, we talked about that last week, we'll, we'll continue what we, t- we started last week. Faith is that bold confidence, that assurance that, of things that you're hoping for, of things that you're expecting, the conviction of things not seen. So we saw that faith is not related to sight. Faith does not respond to what you see. It responds to what it knows to be true. And we'll look at that further. So there's a, many of us, and especially in America, we, we live by sight. We always say prove it, right? That's, that's by sight. And, now we'll, and that's the, the question nowadays is, we'll prove it, prove it, prove it, prove it. You can't prove it, I won't believe it. That's doubting Thomas speaking. And Jesus says, blessed are those who believe who haven't seen. All right? We all believe in Jesus. We've never, I've never seen Jesus face to face. Yeah, I believe in him. There's a blessing in that. And faith kind of, it's challenging, isn't it? Because many of us want, are so wired into our senses that we want to control things. We want to, we want to and faith is like, well, there's a trust thing there that's scary, right? So he says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. For by it, the men of old gained approval or were commended. He starts his chapter there, as I said last week, and he ends it again in verse 39. They all gained approval through their faith. So that's his main gist, right? He's saying they were approved or commended by their faith. For by faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what was seen was not made out of things which are visible. By faith, Abel, Genesis 4, offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he was approved as being righteous. Abel's main, his name, you know his name means breath. Abel's name means breath. In fact, if you read Ecclesiastes, it starts off by saying, Vandy, Vandy. It's like a vapor that you steam, you know, tea kettle, the steam comes out, it's there and it disappears. 
That's the same word as Abel's name, and, and he lives up to his name. And even the short time of life that he lived, he still has a testimony of faith in the very his life. Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he was approved as being righteous. God approving his gifts through faith. And though he is dead, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch, Genesis chapter 5, was taken up so that he would not see death. He was not found because God took him. For prior to being taken up, he was approved as being pleased to God. And Genesis 5 says that he walked with God 365 years. They lived a long time before the flood. He walked with God a long time, and he sought God. He pursued God. That's why in the next verse of chapter 6, or chapter 11, verse 6, he says, And without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who draws near to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. That's Enoch. He pursued God. By faith, Noah. Noah is in Genesis 6 through 9. That's when the flood. He's being warned about things not yet seen in reverence. And the word reverence there, it means he took it seriously. He took it really seriously. In reverence, he prepared an ark. It took him many, many years. Some say it's 100 years. Some say 90 or 70 years, depending on a long time, to build this ark for a flood and rain that had not happened. But he, he in obedience, did that, in reverence, did that, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness, which is, his, which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham, Genesis 12, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place where he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he sojourned or lived as a foreigner in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. We'll look, we'll look at that in a second. By faith, even Sarah herself received the ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life. Sarah is 90 years old when she has Isaac. Okay. How many 90-year-olds are going to Babies Are Us to shop for stuff for themselves, not their, great, not their grandchildren? You know? Or their great-grandchildren, they're right. Since she regarded him, verse 11, faithful who had promised. Therefore, they were born even of one man, Abraham, and him as good as dead. He's really, really old and his wife was burned. But there was born to him as many of, as the stars in, of heaven in number, innumer, as numerable, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. All these, and this is referring to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Sarah, all these died in faith without receiving the promises. God made promises to Abraham. I'm going to make you a great nation. You're going to have kids. You're going to have a place to live. And you're going to be a blessing. Okay? And they died without receiving those promises. But having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, for those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own, a homeland of their own. And indeed, if they had been remembering the country which they went out from, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they aspire to a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, and if you follow God, you will be tested. Your faith will be tested. Offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was offering up his only son. To whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called. He, Abraham, considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, which, figuratively speaking, he received him back. 
By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau regarding things to come. Before he died, he blessed them regarding their future. Verse 21, by faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped on top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, basically we're getting to now Genesis 50 uh, with Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel. Joseph knew Genesis 15 where God says, your people, Abraham, will be enslaved in a country that's not their own for for many years, but I will bring them back. Joseph counted on that for, for God to bring them back. And he says, listen, when that happens, bring my bones with you. Don't leave them here in Egypt. Bring my bones with you to, to the promised land, okay? And so by faith, verse 23, Moses, now we're talking Exodus 2, 1 and 2. When he was born, he was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that he was a beautiful child, or it's also translated, there was something special about the child, even from birth. They knew there was something special about him. Um, and you can look at Acts chapter 7 on that. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. The king said basically put all the Hebrew babies to, to death. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Remember, he's found by Pharaoh's daughter. His name is Moses or Moshe, which means to draw out of water. That's what his name means. But he was raised, in, he was raised um, by Pharaoh's daughter and his own mom because they found his mom to nurse him and bring him up. He knew he was Hebrew. He knew he was an Egyptian. It says, by faith... He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Regarding the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left left Egypt, um, not fearing the rage of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. By faith he kept the Passover. Exodus 12 and the sprinkling of the blood, so that he would, he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea, Exodus 14, as they were passing through, as if they were passing through dry land. And the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. By faith, now we're into Joshua. You get an Old Testament lesson, aren't you? <laughs> By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been circled for seven days. By faith. Rahab, she's the, uh, the harlot that helped out the, uh, the spies, did not perish along with those who were disobedient after welcoming the spies in peace. Then he says, listen, let me just <laughs> hit the fast forward button and, spe- and, speak and, and step on the gas pedal. What more shall I say? For time will fail me if I recount Gideon. He's in uh, Judges and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, as well as David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, performed righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, Daniel in the lion's den, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong from weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received their, res- their dead back by resurrection, that's both Elijah and Elisha, and others were tortured, not accepting their release, Hold on, stop right there. So far, everything he's been listening, I'm just giving you some contrary, has been good stuff, right? By faith, we did this. By faith, we did that. I got this, got that. But now it turns into, by faith, they now start suffering. By faith, they, they, uh, they were mocked and flogged. Yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, verse 37. Jeremiah, tradition says that he was stoned to death. And of course, Jeremiah, in Jeremiah, if you read it, he's also thrown in prison, and, and they don't like what he has to say. 
Uh, some were sawn in two. The tradition says that Isaiah, that's how he died, was being sawn in two. I mean, now you're talking, now, now we're getting from, oh, get, God give me good stuff to now, I'm suffering. But this is all by faith, and we'll explain that. They were tempted, they were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskin, goatskin, being destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in desolate places and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. And you can, there's a whole lot of examples, you know, you could talk about that. But all these, having gained approval through their faith, they did not receive what was promised because God had something better for us so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. Wow. Now, now he just, now, of course, his audience knows all the people he's talking about. We were departing, unless you read your Bible a lot, uh, we have to, you know, he'll explain some of this. But, the, but I want to I sort of take the whole, the whole chapter and sort of get some, some, some lessons here like we did last week. Because I'm not going to go deeply like I could go one week Noah, one week Abraham. Wait, I don't want to do that. I want to finish Hebrews, okay? Are you guys good with that? <laughs> I want to finish Hebrews. But faith, of course, there's some, some, I'm gonna, some features of faith, right, that, that are important, that now this sort of um, some lessons. For, for one thing, here's the thing is, and this is the first, my first point is going to be this. The first feature of faith is it rests on the character of God, okay? Your faith is only as good as the, of, what, of what you're placing your faith in, right? It's not faith in faith. It's not faith because, you know, Oprah has faith. Who is your faith in? It's who you're, who you're trusting, right? Who you're trusting. And your trust is only as good as the quality of that person or thing you're trusting, right? So first thing is, the first quality is that they all trusted God. And, tr- and faith rests in the character of God. Now how many of you guys have trusted God before, one day, and he came through, and the next day you face another challenge and you're like, ah, I don't know if God will come through here. How many of you guys have done that? Yeah, every Sunday it's for me, right? <laughs> every Sunday, Lord. And it's constant where I'm like, well, okay, is he going to... Because we deal with people every day and people... It's hard to find somebody who's trustworthy, right? Because we're sinners. And our yeses sometimes aren't yeses. And sometimes we, but God is dependable. God is trustworthy. Time and time and time and time again, right? So faith rests in the character of God and always a response to the character of God. There's always a link between what God says, his word, right? Because his word reveals his character and his promises, right? So faith rests in that. So like, for example, Noah, it says Noah was warned about things to come, right? Noah goes and starts cutting down timber and getting the ark ready. It took him years and years and years to do that all based on a word from God. God says, I'm going to send a flood, Noah. For years, every single day, he gets up, he grabs his hammer, he grabs his saw, and he's working by faith based on the word of God. But he knew God's character, right? Um, uh, same thing with, oh, Abraham. Abraham, hey, leave your family, leave your father's household to a place I'm not even going to tell you yet. Just go. He left because he trusted God's character. And he's at the beginning stage of his faith journey or walk, whatever you want to call it, right? And at the beginning, he is trusting God, right? What's happening today is that some people just doubt God, right? 
There's all kinds of doubt. And doubt goes back to Genesis 3. Did God really say? That's the devil's, that's his main thing. He gets you to doubt. And faith says, faith says, my God will come through. This is why he's telling, he went through the whole Old Testament to tell these people in the first century at a house church, hey, if God was faithful to them and they believed in God's faithfulness, let's not give up hope on that, right? Joshua, Moses is sent by God. Moses, go to Pharaoh and tell them to let my people go, right? Moses says, who am I? You're nobody, Moses, but I am. I, it's, not, it's about who you are. It's about who I am, right? And eventually he goes and he walks in confidence in that. Faith is not um, trusting in yourself. It's trusting in God. It's, just, it's a strong trust in the faithfulness and ability of God. See, now watch this. Look at, what it says. Look at all these examples here. Do you know in every single example, faith was demonstrated by action? It wasn't just internal with the head. It always led to action. Noah built. Abraham left. Joshua marched around. Moses went. Put up. Everything is, if you have true faith, it will really be seen in how you live your life. Right? Faith is confident, um, is believing and acting upon God's faithfulness. That's really what it is. It's like, my faith is, is, in his, his, is in his faithfulness. My confidence is in his stability. My confidence is his goodness. That's why it's important that if, if you want to grow in faith, you've got to read the word of God. You've got to learn the character of God. You've got to know what God's like. And you're like, you know, I've walked with the Lord. I've read his word. I know what kind of person, what kind of God he is. He is trustworthy. If you don't have a knowledge of God, you won't have great faith. That's, is that simple? Right? There's a lack of faith in, this, in, in today's society because of a lack of understanding who God is, what he's like. There's constant doubts. And I get it. I get it. We'll get to, the, we'll get to one, one interesting thing here in a second. Um, um, but faith trusts God despite what you see. Abraham, leave your, fa- leave your, your fowls. Look, look at what he says. Look at uh, verse 8. Abraham, by faith, when he was called, obeyed. By the way, you see the word obeyed there? The way it's, it's, a, it's a passive participle in the Greek, what it means is that while he was hearing the command or word of God, he was preparing to obey, or he was obeying. Like in his mind, it wasn't like, oh, you know, I'll think about it, God, I'll consider it, I'll pray about it. No, it was as God it was telling him, he already decided to obey. It was simultaneous, you know. Boy, I don't know about you, but sometimes God has had to twist my arm, right? Out of, because I, because I, because I want to control my life. Because I, I'm, I'm so, I want to dictate my future. And God's, and God says, <laughs> my plan or your plan, right? <laughs> if you want to follow me, God says, it's my plan. Oh boy, that's hard, right? Uh, but He obeyed by going out. There's a, there's a, there's a. There's a bold action there. Faith trusts God despite circumstances that seem to go against our understanding. Um, when they were in Egypt and, and faced with, when they were leaving, and God says, um, you know, um, 
Well, well, okay. Go to Exodus 14. Go to Exodus 14, sorry. No, not sorry. Exodus 14. Watch this. God has sent the ten plagues. The Egyptians said, go, please, get out of here. We don't want any more plagues, right? Take our silver too and just, just get out of here. And they go. And the Egyptians are pursuing them. Look at Exodus 14.10. Now Pharaoh drew near, and the sons of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they became very afraid. So the sons of Israel cried out to Yahweh, to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Is it, it is be, uh, is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What is this that you have done against us to bring us out of Egypt? Like, they don't trust. They don't understand what God's really doing. They don't realize that God's actually trying to deliver them. Like, you just brought us out here to, to, to kill us, right? Verse 12, is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? I mean, how is it that you, these people got so used to being in bondage that they didn't want to be, they want freedom, Right? Because sometimes walking by faith means new experiences, new territories, new challenges, new. And when you have you know been living four hundred years as, as slaves in Egypt, they're like, they knew with the routine, they knew what to expect. But now God's giving them deliverance, and they're like, we don't know what to do with this. So they say, for it would be better for us to serve the Egyptians than for us to die in the wilderness. But Moses said to the people, "Do not fear." Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again. I love that. I absolutely love that. Here's the scene. They're going, they're being chased, right? They still have their slave clothes on, so to speak. And of course, eventually they're up against the Red Sea. Now, sight would say, we can't swim that long and we can't survive their spears and their, and their swords and everything. So we're, we're doomed. And Moses says, verse 14, the Lord, Yahweh, will fight for you. You just keep silent. Now faith trusts God's word, right? God says, I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to bring you out. You've got to trust me. Despite what you see, God, they're getting closer. God, you're getting closer, right? Look what God says to Moses, verse 15. I love this. The Lord says to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Speak to the sons of Israel so that they go forward. They're at the edge of the, of the shore. Who walks into the sea? This is suicide, right? Speak to the sons of Israel so they go forward. As for you, rise up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and split it. See, something about following God in faith is that he now he takes you on new possibilities. Well, who would have thought, in my mind, I'd be like, splitting a seed? That's, a, that's an option? Oh yeah, I forgot, it's an option, isn't it, right? See, how many of us, when we come up against challenges and we calculate all the possibilities that we see, we're like, think God can, I don't think God could do something here because, well, I haven't thought about it, right? And faith says, no, no, no. <laughs> There's nothing impossible to God, right? And that's how it is. When you want to grow in faith, it's like God will, will stretch you and say, you know, 
I, I can do something here that you haven't seen before, right? Will you trust me? See, it's not only believing in God's character, that he's trustworthy, he's faithful, it's also being in God's power, right? Lord, where are we to feed so many? We have 5,000 people, we got some boys' lunch. Give me the lunch, <laughs> you know? That's the kind of thing that we're talking about. Faith is, faith is not something that you control. It's something that you're putting your trust in something, God himself, that is beyond your control. Right? It's the stepping out of the boat and walking on the water. It says, who does that? Peter didn't go to some college course and say, now here's how you walk on water. Right? And you know, when Peter walked out, stepped out of the boat, every step was, was probably a little shaky. Right? How do, you, how, do you, how do you balance yourself on waves? Who, does, who walks on water? Right? See, God wants us to grow in faith. And, and some of us are just, we have our little spreadsheets, you know, and our, <laughs> our, our plans and all that. And God says, trust me. I think water walking was nothing. Jesus probably could have said, there's a whole lot of things I'd have you do, but, you know. But faith trusts God because he trusts in the character of God and is faithful. He trusts in God's faithfulness and goodness and ability despite your circumstances and challenges. Go back to Hebrews. I want to share a second, a second feature of, of faith. And of course, these aren't exhaustive, and this is just really uh, trying to be summarizing this whole thing. But secondly, faith is farsighted. I want to say it's farsighted and it's spiritually sighted. That's two, I guess that's two things, right? Go back to Hebrews 11. I mean, numerous examples of... So faith, there's always this thing in the distance, right, it's looking for. Moses is doing something because of something he knows about that's going to happen in the future. Abraham leaves because he knows that God's going to do something in the future, right? Right? Um, it says, go uh, to um, um, verse, uh, like for, uh, verse 10. By faith he sojourned. Well, go back to verse 8. Sorry. Verse 8. Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place he, which he was to receive for an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. Okay. You, you just lost half of us here, right? Because a lot of us want God to give us his five-year plan for us. Abraham leaves without knowing where he's going. I want to read to you what uh, a couple of people, uh, John Calvin and Martin Luther. Calvin says, It is no ordinary trial of faith to give up what we have in hand in order to seek what is far off and unknown to us. Right? Or Martin Luther says this. He says, This is the glory of faith, simply not to know. Not to know where you are going, not to know what you are doing, not to know what you must suffer, and with sense and intellect, virtue and will, all alike made captive to follow the naked voice of God. It says he did not know where he was going. Abraham with this obedience of faith shows the highest example of the evangelical life because he left all and followed the Lord, preferring the word of God to everything else and loving it above all things. Of his own free will, a pilgrim and subject to the perils of life and death every hour, day and night. 
Faith looks forward. Uh, look what it says, uh, um, verse 13. All these died in faith without receiving the promises. But having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance. Actually, go back. I'm sorry. I skipped. This is a good, this is, I'm imperfect, okay? So <laughs> one day you'll hear perfect servants in, with Jesus in heaven, but, but uh, you have to deal with me for now. But go back up to, I, I, I skipped this, verse 9. Abraham leaves in verse 8, verse 9, he sojourns in the land of promise. So God says, leave your family, your country, your homeland, not your family, but your country, you leave your dad, your, you get your, your wife, you know, and, and go to a place, I'm going to show you, and I'll give it to you, but he gets there eventually, and God says, now I'm going to give you this land, as we said last week. He, so he's in the promised land. He's dwelling in the promised land. In fact, Genesis, what, 13, I think it was, where God says, now... Everywhere you see, that's going to be your land. But he lives there. He's in the promised land. But verse 10 says, but he was looking for a city which has foundations and its builder is God. Okay, so this, this, so get this. He is called by God to leave Haran, to leave Ur the Chaldeans, to leave his father's household, to go to the land of Canaan. He's there. Eventually, God says, all this land is going to be yours. This is going to be your inheritance. But even though he lives on that land, like, I got it, you know, this is, he's not even set, settled or satisfied with that because he's looking for something more. He's looking forward to, to not just this, this piece of land because this piece of land was no different than the piece of land he just came from, Right? The difference was that now it's a different geography, right? But he still has to plant and uproot and still has to... But he's looking for something more. See, some of us are satisfied with just the gifts of God rather than God himself, and he's looking for heaven. When His home is not on earth. Look at the text again. Look at verse 9. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, the land that God is promising to give him. But look how he lives. In tents, right? What's a tent? It's temporary, isn't it? You go, maybe you've got to feed flocks, go find your green pasture, pitch your tent, live there for a while, uproot your tent. Go to the next place. The tents here speak of the temporariness of his life. And Abraham lives in the promised land, but yet he is not settled. He's not. I've seen it. I've, I've, uh, I've lost you. I've lost you. See, there's a break between living on earth, but your home's in heaven. That's why it says he lived in the promised land in tents temporarily, but he was looking for something else, eternal. Right? See, some people want to become home. And ha- I mean, obviously I have a home here on earth, but our home, our true home, is heaven. 
And it didn't bother Abraham. Look what it says here. Look at verse 13. All these, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Sarah, died without receiving their promises. Now some of us think, see, God's a liar. God's a liar, right? Because he promised them, but never got it. Like, wait a second, hold on. Abraham's not upset at this. His whole, the, the promise becomes fulfilled eventually. But this promise to God, uh, from God to Abraham incorporates more than just Abraham's own life, right? Incorporates a whole nation, incorporates all Israelites and Jesus as well. Incorporates a whole lot. It's bigger than Abraham. Abraham's not upset at this. Why? Because his home is not some piece of plot land on earth. Though, yes, God has given the Jews, uh, Jewish people a homeland. God's keeping that promise. But he's not settled there. He's settled in the eternal home with God. Does that make sense? That tells me as Christians, we are not to tr- be, our, we're, we are soldiers. We're aliens on this earth, right? Um, First Peter 2 says, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from lust, fleshly lust that war, wage war against your soul. Or I think there's a, uh, uh, in First uh, Peter 1 talks about that, uh, Philippians talks about that we are aliens on this earth. So in one sense, faith has this far-sighted goal of being with the Lord in heaven, right? Being good citizens on earth, yes, but our home is not this, our home is not, does it make sense? Our home is not. Faith is far-sighted. It's spiritually sighted. Faith actually is spiritual sight. I'll just put it that way. Because it looks forward in expectation to what God has promised, and it doesn't look back in regret. How many guys have, you come to the Lord and you think about, boy, I was just thinking about this the other day. I was thinking about what God brought me out of before I met my wife, before I met Jesus, before I come into life. I swear, my life was a mess. You know, my life was, and I'm like, I do not look back with envy and wish I was back there. I look back with gratitude and say, Lord, thank you, right? These, these, these uh, Israelis, uh, these Hebrews are going back. They want to go back to Egypt because they think their life was so... I don't want to go back to Egypt. Right? Faith looks forward with expectation of, of God's promises, things to come. Not back with regret. You know? And, uh, and even says, hey, they had a chance. They, if they were thinking about where they came from, they could have went back, but they didn't. All these died in faith without receiving the promises, verse 13. But having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed they were strangers and exiles on this earth, faith looks forward. So when Abraham leaves his family or leaves his father's household, there's a break from the old ways, right? When he lives as a, as a, as a, as a foreigner in tents, there's a saying, my life here is temporary. What I'm looking for is eternal. Some of us make too much, we make ourselves too at home on earth, don't we? And it says Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom and Gomorrah. And he was greatly affected. There's a picture between living earthly-minded versus heavenly-minded, right? And Lot lived earthly-minded and got him in trouble. And don't try to become friends with the world. Don't try to have friends... With the world that said, you know, welcome, come. We are contrary to the world. Amen? 
Faith says, I got something better in Christ. I'm looking forward. That's why all these examples, they're looking forward. And they're, they're going through the suffering. They're going through the hardships because they know what, what they have looking forward to, what they're going to have with Christ, beats anything that earth can, can provide. Some people have, a, you know, they're like, John, why don't you... Uh, no, I'm going to... I'm gonna, okay, I won't say that. I'll keep... <laughs> why don't you focus on current things, John? I can. Which one? My heart's with Christ in heaven. And the current things are soon old things. But you know something? God is eternal. Amen? I came to, I'm here to preach the gospel of Christ, the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of me trying to get the kingdom of God. Yes, I'm going to be a good, a good, a good soldier on, on this earth and a good form of good, you know, I'm going to live, I'm going to live as an alien on this earth as a, as a, uh, as a, uh, just a traveler, somebody with temporary residency, yes, I'm going to do my best for that. But boy, my hope is not in the next president or the next law being passed. You think my hope is in that? Yes, I'm going to vote for people. I'm not a political person. I hate politics. I'm going to vote for people that I think are you know, going to do good values and all that, but my hope is not what they do. Come on. That's why I pray your kingdom come. Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. Me passing laws is not going to usher in the kingdom of God. My hope is in Christ. Everyone's going to bow before Christ. Amen. I just I just got political there, and I'm sorry. <laughs> That's not my my heart. My heart is say, hey, there's enough eternal things I have to focus on. People's souls. What's really important is where you're going. Right? Have you made your home on earth? Or where is your heart in heaven? Things of this earth will pass away, right? Yeah. Some people say you're so heavenly minded you're no earthly good. I'd say unless you're heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. I don't know where that came from. And uh, <laughs> Faith is farsighted. It leaves the future to God. It looks for God Himself. It's settled in God Himself. It's satisfied with God Himself. That's what keeps everyone going in this chapter of faith. It leaves the future to God. Peter said, we left everything and followed you. And Jesus says, you'll have reward. Jesus even commented on Abraham. He says, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw and he was glad. He was looking forward, right? Why not have that kind of life where we're looking forward to what God's going to do, right? And let me just finish with one last point. I'll make it quick. Faith is a pilgrimage, right? It is a pilgrimage. Every step. It starts with, with the break of Egypt, a break from, from the earth, a break from the old ways. It's a separation from our former life, from our former way of doing things, a former way of handling life. It says, Lord, I'm making a complete break. And I'm walking with you. It's a pilgrimage with the Lord. That's why it says in verse 15, uh, or verse 16, but now they aspire to a better country. The word uh, country is uh, in italics. It's actually from verse 14 uh, as well. The word there, it means homeland. It means a hometown or homeland. Where you're from or where you feel at home, Right? It's a pilgrimage.
That's why Jesus says, follow me. It's a, it's a pilgrimage, it's a walk. It's lived out. All these, all these lived in faith without receiving that, but they had this pilgrimage where they walk with God. That's why, look at verse 39, and then we'll close. And having gained approval through faith, they did not receive what was promised, but because God had something better for them, for, for us. You know, that's what faith's all about. And I know these last two weeks have been really fast in faith. It's not exhaustive, but it's... Every day you get up and say, Lord, leave me today. I surrender my will. I surrender my plans. I say, Lord, you're God. And though I really want to go to the beach today, or I want to go and have... Uh, great, do that. But if God, if you have other things... the beach, There's no beach in Arizona, is there? <laughs> It's hot in here. It's just my. If, if you had a beach in your hometown, we get up and say, "Lord, you're the you're you're my God. You're my Lord. I'm going to follow you." And that willingness to say, "Lord," and sometimes see and say, "Lord, lead me today and help me to walk by faith." You know, and there's a constant. It's a continuous thing. You know, it's a pilgrimage. So that hopefully by the end of our lives or before we go to be like, "Lord, I am so longing to be with you in heaven." The things of this world don't even appeal to me. Now, I'm going to tell others about you and bring others you know, to Christ or help me lead you. But my home and my pilgrims, I want this. I'm going to continue that. You know? Anyway, faith is, is a pilgrimage. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I know, Lord... There's so much in your word to, to get into, but you call us, Lord, to living our life by faith. You call us to, to put our trust in you, in your faithfulness, in your goodness, in your power, your ability, your grace, your love. Lord, your word says that your ways are above our ways. Your thoughts are above our thoughts. Help us, Lord, to not look at our understanding but to look to Christ. Give us wisdom, Lord. Help us to grow in faith, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you lead us as as being light to the world. Our home is not here on earth, it's in heaven. But help us, Lord, to be light to those who are around us, our neighbors, our friends, our family. To be an example of faithfulness, just as you are faithful. God, I pray that you would strengthen um, our faith. If anyone here has, whose faith is struggling, Lord, I pray that you encourage them in their faith. That we would not look at our own circumstances or our abilities, but we would look to Christ and say, Lord, I look to you. I trust you. I don't know how you're going to work things out. I have no idea how this is, how you're going to lead, but I trust you. Let that be our prayer, Lord. Lord, I trust you. And let us stand back and see what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, let's stand up. And uh, next time we'll have the air conditioning on. I think it was a little hot in here today. It's supposed to be 79 today. Weather's changed. We have forgotten we lived in Arizona, haven't we? We've been blessed with rain and cool weather. Lord, please keep the summer away for a while longer. Well, it's good seeing you, everyone. Remember, uh, this Saturday, men's and ladies at our house at 9 o'clock, uh, we'll be discussing um, top, uh, 
discussing the last couple sermons and getting discussion about faith and uh, things like that. Um, and uh, remember, uh, Passover Seder, if you want to come, I highly encourage you. It's a wonderful time. Uh, I'll send out an email uh, probably later today in a text. So let me bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine. I just lost my train of thought. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace in Jesus' name. God bless you guys. Hey, don't put the chairs away yet. Just fellowship for a few minutes and then we'll, you know, just talk amongst yourself if you want to do that. And uh, be blessed.